Hello, and welcome back to the Electric Punch Podcast. I am always your host, Logan Grigsby, and again, I would like to say, fuck the government, we stand with women's rights, fuck your local fentanyl dealer, fuck Russia, fuck pretty much everybody these days. So with that, I would like to welcome tonight's guest, uh, works for We in the Dark, uh, DJ name is Andy Cap. I would like to an- welcome Andy Combs. How you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Happy to be here. Thank you. I'd like to first off thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on. I know it's not easy figuring scheduling out and all that bullshit. So I- I'd like to thank you for taking the time, your time to, uh... yeah, come on. Oh, you're very welcome, man. Excited to be here. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Where, where, do- where does your musical background come from? Um, so I started going to, uh, raves mm-hmm. in like 2004. God damn. So, so, so how old are you? 34. 34. Okay. So God damn, my math sucks. 2004. How, how old would you be? Well, that's about 15. 15. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what, what was going on in the first shows you went to? So I went to a show at the Uptown actually in mm-hmm. the Valentine room. Mm-hmm. They used to call it the 411 Val- club yeah. back in the day. And I went to a show there. There's an act called Skylab 3000, mm-hmm. like DJ Odie. So they had like a drum and bass room okay. in, the, in the very top floor in the cabaret room. And then like where the Valentine room is now, they had like a house and a techno room. Okay, that sounds so, badass. It sounds like we stepped awesome. backwards. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so that sounds badass. Do you have any shows like in particular that like stand out to you that say that made you say like, wow, I really wanted to get into this? Um so I kind of, we kind of always joked about it, like when I was in high school, right? Like that I wanted mm-hmm. to throw parties and um, stuff like that. They used to have a, a group here called Architects of Chaos. They used to throw shows. Okay, so I like that name. They, they threw a show called Chaos Theory Three, mm-hmm. and that was actually in the whole entire uptown like complex. Yeah, and so there was probably a couple thousand people there. Damn. So that was a pretty inspiring show, and I was like, yeah. man, like the scene's only going to get crazier from here. Mm-hmm. And then like. Basically, right after that party, that production company split up, mm-hmm. and the scene like kind of nosedived dramatically. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's back and forth. It does that sometimes. So, when I was about twenty-one, um, that's kind of when I got into throwing parties. I wanted to throw mm-hmm. like a a rave themed birthday party. I found a okay badass. art gallery out in yeah. And uh, the guy agreed to let me throw a show there. He said it wouldn't charge me anything, so I was going to throw a free party. Okay. Found a guy with a sound system and a couple DJs on MySpace. That tells you how long oh, ago MySpace. <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh, Disconnect with the audience tonight. <laughs> the day after the... Um, so I get to the show that day to like throw the event. We're getting everything set up. And the day of the show, the venue owner's like, Hey, man, I need to charge a couple bucks to yeah. cover rent and yeah. stuff like that. And Absolutely. Like, all right, fine, like, no problem, we'll make it work. And so mm. I had, like, 150 people show okay, up. Okay, badass. And, so For, like a, and it was, like, your first one you ever really threw. Yeah, first party I ever, like, put together mm-hmm. and threw. And uh, he's like, have you ever thought about doing this, like, professionally more often? And I was yeah. like, not really. Not really, no, it's just um, kind of one-time thing. For a lot of people, that's how it starts out. It's just one-time thing, do, doing it for fun. Exactly. And you're like, hey, this is actually badass. So yeah, I kind of grew from there. I threw some parties for a couple parties there over the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the cops kind of caught on to that spot. <laughs> as they do, as they do. Right, so we had to kind of move on from there. And then, um, yeah, so from there, I tried to throw shows here in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. 
it's pretty tricky back yeah. then trying to get into bars and stuff like that. Absolutely. They were Nobody really knows interested. why computers are screaming at them. Exactly. <laughs> my right? kids are listening so, to it. We uh down where like Aquarius bookstore is, mm-hmm. that was another spot that we kind of found oh, and fuck. rented out. So there's a space above Aquarius bookstore. Okay. And threw a couple parties there over the summer. So handicap. That sounds a little like handicap. Is yeah, there a for reason sure. for that? And what's like the explanation behind your name? Yeah, yeah. So it's a play on words for sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I have a pretty mild case of cerebral palsy. So um, I just kind of thought of it as like a, like back in the day you had like rave names. Yeah, right? absolutely. So that was kind of my rave name before I was a DJ. I like that. Um, and yeah, it just kind of stuck. Okay. So do you have any uh, Disney or animated char- character that you're inexplicably afraid of as a child? Oh, man. Inexplicably afraid of a Disney character. Yeah, or just any animated character. Um, Doesn't even have to be animated. I wouldn't say, like, probably something that scared the shit out of me mm-hmm. when I was a kid was uh, Chucky. Chucky. Absolutely. And then also, like, the Aliens movies when those first came out, those scared the shit out See, of me. See, my little <laughs> sister, I don't know if you ever saw Zoltan, you gave him, like, a quarter and he read your fortune. For she sure. would freak the fuck out we need to go to the great mall we couldn't even go down that like a whole like section because she'd freak out one time oh no he's not there anymore he moved him they didn't actually move him so we're walking down there starts tripping no he's still there and i'm just like oh jesus she really is scared of zoltan right for sure uh, so what does planning an event look like to you what what does that look like from booking artists to setting up how does that pro- what does that process look like to you how does that go like from an idea to actually sitting there setting up day of the show can you kind of run me through that yeah for sure so typically i'm gonna try to you know find an artist that i'm interested in booking mm-hmm, and then you want to kind of figure out how many people you think that artist is going to pull mm-hmm. and the price of the tickets and, and try to like base your offer off of that there. right okay um, that, you always want to figure out like my rule of thumb whenever I was throwing parties, mm-hmm. I still throw parties sometimes now, but not really these days. But back in the day, it was like, you got to lock your venue down first. You lock your venue down, venue, so everything venue else can fall into place. Okay, that makes the most sense to me, right? venue so, first. So you got to lock down your venue. Um, back in the day, I used to have to book a lighting person, have them bring that in, book our own sound. I used to oversee all the design of all the flyers, mm-hmm. be in charge of ordering flyers. Um, and then, you know, making sure you have all the equipment for all the DJs that are going to be there. And it's way simpler now, but back in the day used to have, it was way more like, make sure you have a set of turntables at every show. Yeah. Make sure you've got CDJs, make sure you've got this and that. And then of course you have to, you know, plan, you know, all the artist accommodations. So hotel, whatever's on their rider, Mm -hmm. making sure you're getting them back and forth. You know, Absolutely. any other little one-off stuff they want. And ain't right, the yeah. Special, <laughs> special, special requests. So, <clears throat> it was a lot, man. I used to do a lot of that with just, like, mm-hmm. me and, like, one or two other people mm-hmm. back in the day. Have you ever gotten any super strange or out there special requests or, like, a weird food or something like that that you had to have, had to have there for somebody? Um, one of the weirder requests was, mm-hmm. a, was a framed picture of Randy Jackson. Oh, hell so yeah. That was a oh, pretty yeah. interesting request. <laughs> um, I had a DJ here one time from the UK, and he mm-hmm. would smoke an insane amount of weed. So I got like a half ounce of weed, and I was like, oh, we'll be good. Yeah, we'll be good. No, he smoked like 
an ounce and a half of weed in oh, two or three man. days. So I've ran into a couple situations like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. I know I smoke a lot of pot. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who is looking to join the scene and help out and like maybe volunteer or participate, but they don't really know how, how to get into it? I mean, more than anything, like, you know, like with me, I just kind of fell into it. Right. So mm-hmm. I think just more like taking the initiative and not being afraid to approach the right people and network and kind of put Absolutely. yourself out there. And you've got to understand too, like the people that are, that you're approaching have put in the time and the work to be yeah. where they're at. So you got to kind of be willing to kind of start put in that time and effort yeah, and energy. Start at the yourself. ground and work your way up, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but more than anything, I think if somebody was wanting to get into throwing parties, like mm-hmm. I mean, more than anything, it takes the drive and the money, dedication, yeah, right. Like nobody's there's not a handbook to it, right? Yeah, it's pretty. If you have the, if you want to do it bad enough. You have to be willing to call around to venues yeah, and hear no, and you better have an idea to pitch, mm-hmm. right? You need to like kind of have a game plan down. Absolutely. Um, so more than anything, just if that's something that you really want to do, you just got to take, mm-hmm. t- take the chance to do it. Okay. So do you have any show that you're most proud of playing in? Sorry. Show I'm most proud of playing in? Yes. Um... There's a couple of shows that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I played the Kiva show recently at the Uptown, which okay, was sweet. Yeah. That's an artist that I really look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of my favorite performances was a New Year performance that I did a couple years ago mm-hmm. right before COVID lockdown. Yeah. <clears throat> there was a really yeah. cool little warehouse party going down in the West Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the <clears throat> headliner for that was Angelic Root. Mm-hmm. And I got to play after the headliner. So it was just like, Got to play some really weird stuff and melt people's brains, which was awesome. <laughs> so, do you have a show that you're most proud of participating in, like participating throwing in. or just being involved in it in some way? Man, show I'm most proud of. Um, one of the shows that I would say I'm most proud of being involved in was getting to help bring Charles the first year the oh, first time. Oh, fire. Absolutely. Yeah, that was pretty sweet, just knowing that that was being mm-hmm. a part of that. Um, Cause yeah, I'd been listening to him for a couple of years mm-hmm. before he even got booked here. So that's always the tricky part about being a promoter too. Is like, you want to be ahead of the curve, but mm-hmm. like not too far ahead. Not too far ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. absolutely. So you got to try and make money. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. So do you ever get nervous? And how do you deal with pre-show <clears throat> jitters? And how do you hype yourself up? Um. Yeah, I think I always get nervous, especially you know pre- before shows, but. I wouldn't say there's nothing really necessarily I do to like calm myself back down, but just kind of once you get in the thick of it, you yeah, get in the rhythm of the show, like just kind of my nerves come down a little bit. So if I'm DJing, it's once I get past like my first four or five tracks, usually kind of calm down and settle in. Or if I'm throwing a show, just knowing that like I've gotten the artist to their hotel room, mm-hmm. show started, everything's good to everything's go. Set. I'm not chasing down yeah. last minute equipment. Uh, yeah. You know, once you kind of know everything's like set and in motion. That's usually what kind of calms me down. Mm-hmm. So what was your first job ever, and what did you like and dislike about it? My first job ever? Yeah. I worked at a Cold Stone Creamery. Oh, man, that's a fat boy's dream. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. Um, favorite thing was a lot of access to candy. Um, <laughs> I would definitely, but, uh, I definitely, my diabetes would like flare. Oh, yeah, it was insane. 
um, working there. I used to eat like an insane amount of gummy bears. Um, worst part about working there was you're working at a food place that doesn't make real food. Yeah. So you're hungry. It could be kind of dangerous if you're yeah. stoned. Yeah. Trying to make it through your Absolutely. shift. Absolutely. <laughs> hmm. So, do you happen to know any weird or strange facts? Any weird or strange yeah, facts? Any weird or strange facts? Keep any just bangers on you? Hmm. You know, Baby Shark is like actually hundreds of years old and it's an old campfire song. I did not yeah. know that. That's yeah, pretty humble. I learned that. Somebody's telling me like they'd known it for like 10 years. I'm like, this Baby Shark's not 10 years old. I'm like, I know I didn't use 10 years. And I'm like, it's way older than that. So yeah, I Googled and everything. I guess like it, it like, used to be an old campfire song. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing super crazy that I okay. can think of. So during uh, your downtime, besides music, what do you do to relax, unwind, chill out, vibe? Man, um... I can't, I'm constantly listening to music, so I guess when I'm not doing that, smoking weed. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what I'm doing all the time is smoking weed and listening yeah. to music. So oh. I'm not always listening to electronic music. I listen to a lot of, like, classic rock. I listen to, yeah, um, I listen to a big spectrum of things. I, I play, like, a lot darker stuff, but then, mm -hmm. like, when I'm, like, chilling out at my house, I'm listening to, like, lo-fi hip-hop and... You hear they finally took her down after like two years? It was oh, a no. big L for all of us. Yeah, somebody reported her for fucking copyright. So they took her, took the stream down after like two years. Wow. Yeah. No. So more just like actual like hip hop, hip hop, mm. but like kind of lo-fi style beats. Absolutely. Um, and then like stuff like FKJ. That's one of my favorite mm -hmm. artists. So I spend a lot of time listening to music. It's a huge part of my life. And Absolutely. if it paid the bills, I would do it full time. Absolutely. <laughs> So when you're making music, are you making it for yourself or are you making it for others? Um, I definitely, for me, like DJing is getting to share music that I'm passionate mm -hmm. about with other people. Absolutely. And like sharing that vibe with people and seeing their reaction. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I don't really like make my own music, mm -hmm. but definitely I think the reason that I share music and I got back into DJing super heavy was as I stepped away from throwing shows, it gave me a way to still be like actively involved in the scene. Mm -hmm. And still kind of be like a, a tastemaker or like a trendsetter kind of person, Absolutely. right? So, um, yeah, I would say at the end of the day, it's all about kind of showcasing music that I'm very passionate about and kind mm -hmm. of opening people's minds to kind of stuff that maybe they didn't know that they liked at first, right? Yeah. Like, what the hell is this? This is yeah, dubstep. No, I love introducing people <laughs> to new stuff. So. Stuff like that, so... Okay, so if you were to throw a charity concert for any cause, what do you think it would be? Um, I mean, I could either, I would say either like some kind of charitable event for like an animal foundation, Wayside like Waves or something like that. Like dogs. Um, that's another passion of mine if I wasn't mm -hmm. doing uh, my day job and doing music would be working with animals. So something I'm super passionate about. Also, um, like the National society for cerebral palsy the foundation absolutely. for that um super important to kind of raise awareness absolutely for people with cerebral palsy a lot of people aren't aware that you know you can be high functioning like me and live a pretty fulfilling yeah, life absolutely. right so don't let don't let that get you down obviously it's a fucking hurdle but that's fucking badass that you're still fucking making the best of it oh for sure man yeah. feel blessed
So do you have any musicians who inspire you and what about them inspires you? So I would say uh like probably my one of my biggest like DJ influences is DJ Dieselboy. So okay. I saw him a bunch yeah. when I was like coming up in the scene and mm -hmm. um his sets were always just so like raw and like the energy that he plays with is you super intense. You just feel it tangible. Oh yeah, there. for sure, man. So um, that would be like one of my biggest DJ influences for sure. Hmm. So if you could go on tour in any foreign country for a year, but you couldn't come back to the States, what country do you think you'd go to? Oh man. I could go on tour in any country. Any country. Probably... China. China? Big, big yeah. place. See, one of the biggest countries in the world. I haven't heard China yet. That's cool. So, and the reason is, is just because, like, I love going to, like, super large cities. Mm -hmm. So, they have a lot of, like, mega cities yeah. where it's, like, yeah. 10, 20 million people. Like, it would be insane to get yeah, to, go to a city like that and get to play music. I, I've seen, like, that video of Metallica playing in, like, Moscow. And for some reason, they had, like, a million people there, like, 100,000 people there. And it's just, like, insane can't yeah, even like sure. see the end of the crowd so i think that I, that is a good answer i think that'd be really cool play a show like the cn tower that big ass news tower i mean the uk would be cool but i don't know if it's big enough to yeah tour, tour for, for a, a whole year, year yeah <laughs> <laughs> stuck, stuck in glasgow <laughs> um so if you could go back five years and give yourself some career advice what do you think it would be hmm Go back five years and give myself career advice. You've been in the scene for a long, a long time. Let's say ten years. Most people haven't, haven't that I interview haven't been in as long as you. So let's go back and say ten years. I mean, I think as far as like career-wise within the scene, mm -hmm. I wish that I would have um, stuck it out more. Right there was a point in time where like stuff got super rough. I was like in between like ending one company and starting mm -hmm. another company and trying to get that going and. I kind of reached a point where I was like, it's really hard. Yeah. But I it's also, it was like one of those points balance. where like, if I would have kept pushing, then I probably would kind of be where I want to be with it. And I mm -hmm. kind of gave up on it to right, focus on kinda... like, you know, more of a day job and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, that's one thing I've told Dylan even before is just like, when stuff gets super hard, bro, you got to keep pushing because mm -hmm. you're about to break through to something yeah. like really amazing. Right. So that's always my biggest advice to other people mm -hmm. is just, don't give up when stuff gets hard and just push through that because you're going to get through it and it's, you're going to be better for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hindsight's 2020. You can always look back and say, but yeah, always keep at it. Yeah, Don't most definitely. Like you only have, you know, not to be cliche, one life to live, though, yeah. right? So you got one opportunity sometimes to make, make it, something yeah. work. You might as well go all at it. And then if it doesn't work, you can take peace in that you did your best. Absolutely. So, have you ever felt starstruck meeting an artist? Um, not really, because, like, I think especially with, like, electronic music, they're usually so down-to-earth, mm -hmm. right? They're not, like, yeah, so high up above to where they're, like, they don't want to, like, talk to you. Oh, absolutely. Like that, right? They're most people chill. are, once you meet them, you realize they are just actual people. Yeah, most definitely. So... Um, nobody I can really think of where I was just like, man, I can't believe I'm meeting you. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like, I didn't really get to meet Kiva, so that might have been somebody that I fanboyed over a little mm -hmm. bit. Like, I love you. 
<laughs> she's just such a badass absolutely um, i got mad love for what she does and it's cool to see a chick mm-hmm. go up there and be a badass absolutely so somebody who's been in the scene you say about 16 years now how have you seen edm grow how have you seen kansas city's culture grow over the years what did it look like 10 15 years ago compared to what it looks like today I mean, I think if you go back to like 2009 when then like me and Chris from High Tech started throwing parties, mm-hmm. I mean, but back then, dude, you had to like get creative with where you're going to throw shows. Absolutely. Like, we found like a abandoned sixplex apartment that only had one person living in it. Oh, and wow. And let us open up the whole building and throw parties. Okay. I found like a printing shop down in the West Bottoms and threw shows there. So back then you just had to get really creative with where we were going to yeah. throw shows. like. Chris threw a bunch of parties at like an abandoned fire station. Oh, built in um, stripper pool. <laughs> yeah. There's a dance studio right off 18th and Truce that we, he used to throw shows at. I remember one time the venue didn't pay the utility bill and oh, to get a generator. Man. Right. So like, that's just the kind of stuff that we worked to, to like eventually kind of get to the point. Um, if you know, like where the Cowtown ballroom is over off like mm. cherry and like Linwood. Yeah. Um, basically like, me and my business partner at the time kind of got into there and started throwing shows and we started getting four or 500 people throwing up, showing up to like shows that were just like local DJs and like regional DJs. Mm. And once we kind of had a show where it clashed up with a show at the uptown and they had like 40 people show up and we had like 400 people show up. That's when it was like, okay, we got to like let these kids get in. Yeah. And like, absolutely. You know, get in on that. So it took a lot of work and we had to like show, like kind of put people Pro, on notice. Put them in their place and put their, put, make them kind Not of. Not even put, that. Yeah. Like, cause like I got mad respect for all of them. Right. Yeah. But it was more just like, look at what we're doing. Yeah. And you like, can't say like, we're just kids throwing little parties. Like we actually are doing big things. Yeah. Cause like back then, like there wasn't a lot of like 18 and up shows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. So like shows kind of moved into clubs. So it was all 21 and up. You may have some 18 and up shows like all the way out in Lawrence. Yeah. Right. But we kind of had to like show them that they were missing like a huge market Mm. for people between like the age of like 16 and 20. Yeah. Right. So once they kind of realized that, um, that kind of opened up a lot of opportunities for us to be able to start doing shows at the uptown and different venues like that. But it took, you know, a year and a half, two years to get it to that point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then they kind of see, you know, the scene go from like a hundred people to like 400 people, 500 people. And now there's like a constant rotation of like, I think probably 1500 people. Mm -hmm. They obviously don't all go out at once. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just kind of a rotation through the scene of about 1500 people consistently. So that's Mm -hmm. pretty crazy to think about now. Like I would never be able to imagine like a show big enough to like sell out the Midland. Mm-hmm. in like 2009 yeah absolutely <laughs> so now it's crazy it's to think out. about now it's like sold out shows everywhere right mm-hmm. like every show at the encore sells mm-hmm. out right like back then that would be like mind-blowing in 2009 <laughs> it's crazy it is crazy how to think how much it's grown and then covid now after covid and I, everybody feels like we're kind of in this renaissance which which is nice yeah i think covid kind of opened people's eyes yeah. to different kinds of music they could like and you were constantly inside, out like, so yeah. partying, right? Like going hard in the paint. So like I think people got way more into like abstract music because they're like mm-hmm. chilling out at their house, you know, stuff like that. So that's why you see like a lot of artists now like blowing up a lot like of the trees and stuff like yeah. that. They were already on their way up, but I think stuff like COVID kind of opened people's mind to like more 
experimental type music. Absolutely. So can you tell me what the hell a Wook is? A Wook. A Wook, yes. I mean, it seems like it's a badge of pride. Yeah. Um, anymore. For some people. For <laughs> some people, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't even know like, really how to you know, describe a Wook, I guess for me, or like what the stereotypical Wook is. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, bro, can I borrow everything? <laughs> can I right? borrow your whole house? Yeah, can I borrow? Can I can I borrow a whip it? You know, like, what's up? You know, so they. Hey, bro, I know I just met you, but can I borrow your car? Like so, like back in the day, it was like kind of a like a mooch, right? Mm-hmm. But like now, it's like a cool thing, which I find interesting. Like people are like, "I'm a wook." Yeah. Wook princess. I'm like, hey, wook go princess. Off. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Go. It's kind of like the wet marijuana thing in a way. Looking back at middle school, oh, now everybody talks shit. Oh, never smoke pot. Oh, never do this. And then now you're looking at them and like fucking pot princesses and shit like that are claiming to be. So yeah, like I mean, I guess now it's like what, like a hybrid of being a hippie and a raver. Yeah. Right, because I guess people aren't really ravers anymore. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> it's hard to find so, like an actual underground warehouse rave these days. It's like you're a raver, but you collect like crystals and stuff, right? Like smoke DMT. <laughs> hey, man, squishmallows. Don't get offensive. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, I love squishmallows. I got a panda squishmallow around here somewhere. So, what is a uh, random, fun, silly thing that pops in your mind when thinking back to your career? Man, thinking a random silly yeah, thing. Just random, fun. Doesn't have to be silly. It could be just just random thing that just pops in your head and when you think about back through your career. Man, so I'll never forget. We had a. There was a night we were throwing a party down by the city, city Union Mission. There's a place called the Arts Asylum now. Mm-hmm. But like they had kind of just gotten a hold of that building and were like redoing it. So we put. An insane amount of work helping them kind of get everything ready through a party that like had a party set up we did like a map point so you had to like go to this place called g coffee which is across the street from the uptown got like a map it took you to like this parking oh, lot man. and then you had to like turn your radio to a certain channel to get directions from like that spot like to the party what um and this lady followed her son down to the party oh man they still got you guys he saw she saw a bunch of chicks like dressed up in raid gear and was like there's like some kind of crazy like sex party or something (laughs) oh man my teenagers here um so like 10 30 we had like 250 people Mm -hmm. in the building and the cops showed up and shut everything down man Um, and it was just a it was a it was a mess because after that it was like a scramble we had to like last minute find a bar for the headliner to play at you know stuff like that yeah that was definitely one of the crazier crazier times it's one of the only times i've had a party get shut down god i'd be so mad actually going to that much effort beaming in radio signals and shit like that and some kid still gets followed by his crazy karen mom (laughs) it's good times man for sure so have you ever participated in any competitions competitions and this can be even an elementary talent show all the way up to high school and anything, anytime. I've done Pinewood Derby. Yeah, I mean, so like in grade school, I was in the geography bee. Mm-hmm. I made it to like one of the final rounds of that. Oh, fuck. I even remember the question that I, I missed too. It was like, what's the largest Great Lake? It was like Lake of Superior. Lake Superior. That Duh. makes sense. 
I think I said Lake Michigan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's something. But I've also been in sales for Mm -hmm. like 12 years. So that's that's obvious. You're pretty much always in competition, right? There's like monthly competitions. And I've gotten like Mm -hmm. agent of the quarter at the company that I work at. So not badass. I'm pretty naturally competitive, I would say. I was, yeah, I was going to say, do you consider yourself competitive? But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Salesman obviously got to be very competitive. Did track in high school, you know. So what is your favorite part of the local, local county fair? You go for the rides? Do you go for the food? Do you go to see the animals? Do you go for the demolition derby? Why do you go probably, to the local county fair? Probably funnel cake. Funnel cake. That's got to be the yeah. the number one reason. I am I am a bit of a fat boy, so can't argue with that. I'll eat extra funnel cake for you. I got you. Thank you, thank you. Save my heart attack heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does the word "plur" mean to you? You know, um, peace, love, unity, and respect. Right. So, I mean, I think it's just kind of at the end of the day. Mm-hmm people just need to be aware of kind of how they put themselves out there right mm-hmm. and kind of rise above drama if you've got drama absolutely. going on at the party is not the time to have that yeah, going down like you gotta leave that shit at home mm-hmm. right and so that comes into respect too you gotta have mad respect for the djs throwing the party promoter large, the venue everybody yeah one like i think one thing that attendees aren't really aware of is just like you know their behavior can affect mm-hmm so much access to a venue right mm-hmm. if you if somebody does something crazy enough mm-hmm. a promoter might not be able to throw a ever party go there. back there right so you know it comes back to respect just with everybody Absolutely. right like don't go, if, if you're a dude don't go feeling up on a chick yeah. or you know cat calling her mm-hmm. and you know if you're a chick just don't be starting drama with other chicks yeah. right we're all here to have a good time so that's where unity comes in, right? Why are we here? We're all mm-hmm. here to have a good time. We're all here to have a good time. We all yeah, have... definitely. It doesn't matter where we come from. We all have this one thing that we're obviously all here together to celebrate music. Exactly. We're all... So... Okay, so... Do you have any advice that was given to you that kind of, like, sticks out to you? So, yeah, some advice that, like, either a musician or a friend or something like that that somebody has given you... <clears throat> That sticks out in your head that's always kind of stuck with you do you want like good advice or it can be piss poor give me give me some piss poor advice give me some piss poor advice and then give me some give me a little bit of good advice i'll never forget when i was like 21 i was talking to a dj all the time and he was my homie he helped me throw shows and stuff like that and he's like man you gotta quit smoking weed and start doing cocaine you gotta, <laughs> oh, be, you gotta do some adult drugs um, so that was obviously not very, you know, sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> um, as far as, um, you know, good advice, I think one thing that I've always, like I was told, is just, um, you know, like successful people are always going to continue to find ways to be successful. They're going to run into obstacles and find mm-hmm. a way around that. People that aren't successful are going to find excuses. Absolutely. Right? And then that's going to be the reason that they're not successful. Absolutely. Right? So if you take that mentality into anything... You know, you're going to come out on top. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. My dad always taught me you can't help somebody who won't help themselves. So I'm a big exactly. believer in that. So you're going to make it happen or make excuses? Yeah. <laughs> uh, excuses are like assholes. Everybody has one and they all stick. Do yep. or do not. <laughs> do exactly. Or do not. And the wide no words try. of Yoda. Uh, so what does your family think about your career decisions? Is it always, have they always been positive with it? How does, how does that look for you? You know, I think like 
some of my family was like, oh, you know, kind of like absolutely what's he up to yeah but absolutely my aunt or my uh mom and my stepdad were always super cool about it i got them to go to a warehouse party okay that's back good. in the day and like check it out and mom brought my niece to one of my shows and she was like two or three like oh, as it was kind of starting so she could like mm-hmm. see me dj and stuff like that so see that's, always been that's pretty really like one it. of the most important things is support like i think that. one thing for like especially my mom and stuff was like when I got into throwing parties was like right after I got a bunch of trouble, mm-hmm. like selling pot. So like, oh, I was on bond and like planning parties and like go yeah. and like throwing parties on bond. So like, I wasn't even like doing anything at that point. I was completely sober, mm-hmm. but like that was my outlet that kept me like excited and like motivated and kind of driven for what I was doing. At I that feel point that very heavy. So, my parents are, they're still in the, this is a hobby stage for me, but they're supportive that like, I'm off drugs, I'm not doing crackhead shit, and I have something that I'm proud right. of. So, it's kind of interesting to, you know, as, as I got stepped away from, like, partying and doing crazy shit, I started throwing parties so other people could do crazy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> 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 uh, so, how did you first get involved with, with the company that you work with now? With uh, We Like the Dark? I yeah. started that a few years you ago. Start, okay, so you're yeah. the creator. Yep. Okay. So I started that um kind of I had taken a few years off mm-hmm. from throwing shows and um actually so there used to, I don't know if you ever been to Niche but like when Niche was around I was like not really into dubstep for a long long mm-hmm. long long time. <laughs> um and so I went to a couple deep dubstep shows there and kind of it got me into that style of music and so I kind of decided like this is the sound that I want to start like pushing. Mm. I had kind of like stepped away from like throwing drum and bass shows and stuff like that, and so I had kind of decided just to kind of rebrand about five years ago. Absolutely. So what? How did you come up with your name? And do you have any business partners? What's your <clears throat> kind of structure look like? So I, I did have some business partners mm. at one point. COVID kind of hit that threw everything that. off, right? As, so. as it did. Um, but yeah, my friend Evan and my friend Britt both helped me kind of get mm-hmm. it started. Um, but really as far as how I came up with the name before I was throwing shows underneath that moniker, I had another production company called New Humanity mm-hmm. and the person that helped me come up with all the branding for that, he had like a sign in his room, a graphic designer, and it said like, we like the dark. It was like. But it was more crude. It said something yeah. along the lines of like, camera, something about your mom. And then it was like, <laughs> we like the dark. So it was like, it was pretty crude. But I was like, I like that like last piece. And so I t- kind of took that, asked for permission to use that name. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Lance Glasgow and I was like, hey, here's this name that I want to start throwing shows under. I want help coming up with a logo. So me and Lance, I kind of just let him run with it. And he's done 90% of the design mm-hmm. work for all the shows that I've thrown there. So it kind of started out as, um, you know, promoting sound system music at Niche because they had a custom-built sound system there. So I would do monthly events there. For, I did events there for, I think, about two years. Mm-hmm. Like every first Just Friday. Just like the sound, love the sound system, love the venue. Yeah, man, it was rocking. Mm-hmm. So it was like really killer sound system and only room for like 50 people. Oh, right? man, so balance there. Okay. Yeah. So, is it better to be alone in the dark or not to be? Um, I mean, 
I think it's fine either way, right? Kind of depends. I'm somebody that like I really. I mean, like if you're my scared of the dark, exactly. Is it right? better to be alone or not to be alone? Well, I think that's kind of the cool thing, right? <laughs> like if you're at an event, you're in the dark, but you're not alone. Yeah. You might okay. be alone in the sense like you're in your own head, mm-hmm. right? But we're never really alone. People just put it in their head that they're alone. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody around that you can reach out to. Absolutely. Do you want to reach out to that person? <laughs> <laughs> So how does advertising for a show look like? How much of that is going out and handing flyers? How much of that is digital? How much of that is just Facebook, Snapchatting people? What does that look like for you when you're throwing a party? What, yeah, what does that I mean, look back like in the day, you? we used to buy probably about 10,000 flyers per show. Mm-hmm. But you only see like a 1% return yeah. on that, right, if you're lucky. So. Um, but they're cool to have, collect. There are people that will collect them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I have people that tell me they collected flyers from That's nice. Back in the See, day, I'm sure that's sweet. a great feeling. But, um, it's hard. You have to have like a team of people that are down for the cause. Right? Absolutely. Like, it's not a one-man show thing it anymore. It cannot be. So um, it's obviously evolved a lot more into digital marketing, mm-hmm. but even that can be a little tricky with how algorithms work yeah. and Facebook. So I'm looking at you, Zuckerberg. I think the biggest thing that you got to realize when you're throwing shows is you have to stay consistent. Right, because absolutely, people are going to respond to consistency more than anything. Mm-hmm. Like Zooks would be a perfect example, right? You see a Zooks logo, Who? Zooks. <laughs> see their logo on a flyer. You know, it's a good time, right? So, like, they have that consistency built there. To like, when people see that logo, like, I'm just going to go because, like, I've gone to like five or six of those shows mm-hmm. and they've all been dope, right? So, that's kind of where you have to get to. I think at some point. It's Absolutely. just people see that name and they're like, I'm going to that event. Mm, recognize the name. I don't name, even care. I don't even know, know who, the, who the headliner is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> know they've done quality things. They're exactly. about the safety and the good fucking production quality. So, so you know it's going to be a good, good one. I think like digital marketing is super important. I think people miss the mark if they don't do any kind of print advertisement i think so too i think word of mouth is still more powerful i think than absolutely word of mouth is anybody the most can powerful thing i can see a hundred ads for something but if my homie comes up and says hey let's go to this show that's gonna right. make me so much more likely to go than anybody anything else so what is a uh, completely safe animal that you're afraid of completely safe animal that i'm afraid of um Probably, I would say mice. I don't know why I'm scared of them. No, I get that. But uh, yeah, I don't. There's something about them. I've had I've had a couple. Of, like I had an apartment one time when I was probably like 22, and found some mice and put some traps down and ended up catching like 13 mice. And that I was like a nightmare. A, I can do a little mouse, like Stuart Little. But if I see like a big old rat, like a New York rat or something, uh uh-uh. uh cockroaches too fuck cockroaches i'm also scared of like angry cats yeah no that makes sense you know, that like, makes sense not really scared of dogs but angry cat i uh i had to like hold a cat down one time when i worked for a vet office oh, like hey can you hold this cat down when we shave its ass um so ever since then <coughs> a little cautious around cats absolutely <laughs> absolutely so do you have any animals yourself right now i have a little poodle his name's bear Okay. It's like a little 13 year old old man that I took a couple <laughs> years ago. I love the old ones. I got a little, I don't even know. She's just like a mutt. Like her name's Ruby. She's super sweet. 
she also knocked my glasses into the river so she's on she's my dog's on probation right now for sure for sure um so let's talk names do you think they define you do you think having a different name changes the type of person you'll be do you think chad people named chad and karen are predestined to be the way that they are um yeah that's a great question i think that uh it could definitely lead to like a personality type, maybe, depending on the name and stuff like that. But I wouldn't marry too much into like my name is this, so I've got to be a douche canoe my whole life, <laughs> right? Chat, right? Like, embrace it, embrace the douche canoe. Everybody has their chance to kind of set their own path and make their own name for themselves. Now that being said, your name carries weight, absolutely. Right? So like, I think people need to be aware of that, right? Like, you don't have to fit a certain stereotype because of your name but Mm -hmm. you have to be aware of the fact that like andy combs right that name Mm -hmm. you got to like do what you can to maintain your name absolutely right so so how do you see your brand your sound your production company and even edm in general growing in the next five years or so I mean, for me, I'm kind of at the point where I'm focused on maybe doing like a show a quarter right now. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm way more focused on DJing and stuff like that currently. But Absolutely. as far as where I see EDM going in the next five or 10 years, I think that like drum and bass is blowing up right now. I, so I think, I have been I think you're going to see a lot more of these like kind of like subgenres and offshoots that weren't popular mm-hmm. a few years ago continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see the kind of what the scene looks like, but I think the scene's going to continue to grow. You're going to have certain acts like Chainsmokers is a perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. Going to have more and more acts like that that kind of reach that point where they're selling out arenas. Um, but that also opens up a lot more for like mid-tier, lower-tier mm-hmm. artists to like be able to come up as well, right? Because not everybody can afford to go to the show. Like yeah, the Sprint I can't. I I definitely can't. I didn't get to go see Avla Ravine. I'm pretty upset about it. Yeah, she's a babe. I'm yeah. sad too. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any uh, guilty pleasure artists? Guilty pleasure artists. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I'm trying to think what I'm going to admit <laughs> out loud. Um, I really like Doja Cat. That's a guilty pleasure artist for sure. With the cat. I like the new Drake album that a lot mm-hmm. of people hate. Uh, I have not listened. I, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard it's good. I haven't listened to it. I mean, I like it, but I think also too, like I like house music. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, if you just told me like Drake made a house album, I'd be like, really? Really? Yeah. So if you told me like, hey, I might have to go give it a listen now. Now that you're saying it like that, it's interesting. It's still Drake, right? Yeah. So if you don't like Drake, you might not like it. But mm, I I definitely think he's Jack Harlow. Played. That's another guilty pleasure mm-hmm. okay. do you have anyone that has helped you on your journey that you'd like to give a shout out to and why oh man where to even start so probably a big shout out to jesse jackson <laughs> that is a huge influence man um so this thanks for him for giving lots of people opportunities to do their thing um chris otter big shout outs to him you know we kind of came up together so much love to that dude Absolutely. respect for where he's kind of come up and where he's at now um but then you know just mad love to 
so many people. Sook's mm-hmm. crew, they've always kind of welcomed me with open arms and continue to invite me out to play shows. So really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Evan, Britt, that helped me start We Like the Dark. I mean, there's so many people over the years, mm-hmm. you know, that it would be hard to, like, have the time enough in one day to give everybody the amount of love that they need. But, Absolutely. Um, I would say a big shout-out to my homies Zach and Ben. Um, they played the first show that I ever threw, so I still keep in contact with them to Absolutely. this day. So much love to them. From MySpace, Zach and Ben from MySpace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> crazy so how do you manage work life job family life social media social life how do you find a balance there um the easiest way for me to find a balance is i just try to kind of compartmentalize everything right so like when i'm working i'll throw my phone like i work from home so i'll throw my phone on my bed (laughs) so that it's away from me right so i can't mess with Mm -hmm. it all day so I just try to like focus on one thing at a time. And then like when I'm not working or, you know, I don't want to mess with my social media again, I'll, I'll put my phone like in my couch cushion. See, so that's a, like I'm a pain in the ass to get to my phone better. And that way I'm like focused on like the conversation that I'm having with somebody or the movie that I want to watch, um, you know, stuff like that. So just trying to like kind of minimize my distractions. Absolutely. Um, I try to meditate quite a bit. There's a book I've been reading called, uh, um, of course, now I'm not going to remember it, but <laughs> Seven Spiritual Laws to Success. It's by Deepak Chopra. Um, mm-hmm. So that's been super interesting. That's something I've been um, really into lately. They talk a lot about, like, the first chapter is about reaching your full potentiality. So basically, they want you to every day meditate twice a day for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. sit outside for at least 30 minutes to an hour with no distractions, just enjoying nature. Um, I get that. I definitely, then, I know if you, yeah, you're supposed to spend like an hour a day outside to get right. those dopamine for sure. and everything going off. So. Um, and then like the, I think the last thing is trying to spend like a whole day without judging anything that happens. Oh God, no. <laughs> God, no. That, that, that one's been hard. I but. start judging the second I wake up. Yeah, exactly, man. So it's been a lot of hard work on that for sure. Absolutely. So what do you think is your most treasured possession? Is it something sentimental? Is it something that you just worked really hard to buy? What do you think is the thing that you care about more, an object that you care more about than anything else? Man. Probably I have a painting Mm -hmm. that my friend Brandon painted Mm -hmm. that I have at my house. It's probably one of my most prized possessions. I felt that. I Um, felt that. Also my my, uh, Deep Dark and Dangerous hoodies. Felt I wear those all year round. Summertime, I don't care. I'll wear shorts and a hoodie. So those are probably my most prized possessions. (laughs) (sighs) So have you ever helped mentor an aspiring artist before? Um, I really haven't. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always tell people, I think a lot of people get in a rush to like, oh, I need a artist manager or a booking agent. You know stuff like that um and so usually you don't need that unless mm-hmm. you're kind of at the point where you can't you're getting like so many bookings that you can't handle all the bookings that you're doing on top of your day job mm-hmm. you don't need a booking manager and there's a lot of people that get these artist managers and they don't they're not really artist managers artist managers are people with connections that can help you like 
connect you to the right people and help mm-hmm. you grow your career and help you kind of refine everything. So like your friend that you do ketamine with is not your <laughs> artist manager. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> could, not, so. could not agree more. So uh, I think that's kind of my big advice to people is like, you know, if you're a producer and you're wanting to grow, you need to continue to produce music. You don't need to put out everything that you make. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that a lot of people make mistakes is like, they put out like a tra- like three tracks a month, right? And like, mm-hmm. look at the stuff that I made. And it's like really, instead of making three tracks a month, you take that it. one month to make one, one super dope track. track. Yeah. And like also too, don't just release your music with anybody. Yeah. Anybody that'll take there it. There definitely is a big difference. Like, Quality over quantity. You need to be sending in your submissions to labels and getting feedback. Take, mm-hmm. If you know artists that are bigger than you, sending it to them to listen to mm-hmm. and getting their feedback. Like there's so many steps that people need to like be aware of instead of just trying to like jump from like, jump right into I it. just made my first track by mm-hmm. stealing all these presets and now I want to like be a yeah. you know, record breaking DJ. Right. <laughs> so um, th- that's a funny thing for me too. Like for me, you know, being in the music scene and like being a DJ and stuff isn't really about being famous. Like I don't really ever have intentions on like touring. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just for me, it's just about like getting to share vibe with people absolutely right so i think people just need to understand like take your time like most artists that are like touring nationally like it took them probably like seven to twelve years to get there they did not get there overnight of the trees is a perfect example that Mm -hmm. dude's been on his grind for like 15 years like he was like 17 back in like 09 when i first heard about him and now like you know so like now look where he's at (laughs) that was 14 years ago you know so crazy to think about really so um what is your zodiac sign and do you think zodiac signs affect some the type of music someone makes my my zodiac sign is a pisces pisces so um i wouldn't say that i don't think a zodiac sign will affect the type of music that you make but it is a subject that I'm super interested in. I do think it, it tends to like. See, we have said we want. It's not a to Bible, like, right? But it can affect people's personality mm-hmm. traits and stuff like that. For we sure. said we wanted to like go through and like find all these famous artists and like make a poll and see like what their signs were and see if there was any crazy like one sign that broke out or if sub certain people stuck to certain subgenres or something like anything crazy like that. Well, you like. Um, Kurt Cobain is a Pisces, mm-hmm. so like, I kind of like a lot of the electronic music I like is kind of grungy or like I feel like it's somewhat metal influenced for sure. So there may be some kind of correlation there. Mm-hmm. So do you think your music has a specific sound, and can you explain it to some, like explain it to somebody who doesn't know very much about EDM? Anytime I would try to describe like the sound that I have to somebody, mm-hmm. I would tell them I'm basically playing like abstract hip hop beats. Okay. Because like, if I tell them dubstep, they're gonna assume yeah. it's like super high yeah. energy, like screechy mm-hmm. stuff. But a lot of the stuff I play is definitely more kind of a darker tone, um, mm-hmm. way more focused on like the sub bass. Um, but I like to play kind of anywhere in between that, right? So I'll play some more kind of like chilled out stuff, mm-hmm. like. Any of my sets, I try to take people kind of on a journey. Right? Absolutely. So there's tell, ebbs tell and flows. Tell a story up and down. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, 
So, are you originally from Kansas City? Have you lived here your whole life? Have you moved around at all? Born and raised. Born and raised? Same. Olathe, Kansas. Yeah, I grew up out in Olathe in Overland Park. So, um... How did I just leave? What were you like uh, in high school? Uh, so, in high school, I listened to a lot of, like, 3-6 Mafia, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, more aggressive, like, hip-hop and... Sold lots of weed. I was a drug dealer in high school. <laughs> same felt, same. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so do you have any weird or special talent? Weird or special talents? Yeah. Weird or special talents. Something maybe you wouldn't think that you would have or, yeah, any weird or special talents? No, I can't think of any. Okay, what about your dance skills? What are those like? I mean, I used to be a dancing fool. You used you know, to be a dancing fool. Now I'm getting okay. old. Yeah. So cardio's down. But yeah, back in the day, man, I used to... And every now and then, I can still bust it out in short spurts. But short spurts, felt, felt. Back in the day, felt. I used to be super into like clothes sticking and like liquid mm-hmm. dancing, you know, stuff like that. So. so if you could book any three DJs for a show... What, who do you think you'd want to go with? Any three DJs. Any three DJs. Doesn't even actually have to be DJs. Any three musicians at all. Throughout time. And even have, yeah, Mozart in this bitch if you want. We're going to stick to DJs, because yeah. otherwise this will never, I'll never get this done <laughs> in the time that we have left. But, Absolutely. Um, Andy C would be mm-hmm. somebody that I would definitely want to book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, who else? Holy cow. Three artists. So Andy C, I would also say Truth, and who's my third artist? Oof. Um, probably Turn In Sound, because I love Turn In Sound. I remember okay. when we booked them to play at Niche mm-hmm. a few years ago. That's a cool thing about being a promoter, right? Think about somebody that like Turn In Sound played for like 30, 40 people mm-hmm. four years ago. Now they play in front of like thousands of people all the time. And they come here like every six months and just blow it out of the effing water. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so do you have any nightmares of setting up, nightmare stories of setting up a show and just absolutely everything is going wrong? And what did you kind of learn from it? I can't think of a time setting up a show. Oh, actually. So we were throwing a party um, down in this printing shop down in the West Bottoms. Mm-hmm. And we were going to um, throw a party in the basement of the building, too. So it was going to be like a two-floor party. Okay. But the basement was, like, covered in dirt, mm-hmm. right? So we tried to, like, sweep it up. We got it all cleaned up. But... The night that the party happened, once the music started going and everything else, there was just like a hanging starts falling, hanging dust in the air. Like you could just, it was visibly in the air. Um, So it made a lot of like vinyl skip, lots of issues like that. Um, That you cannot ever see coming. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and then just, you know, obviously like dust all over everything, rave boogers, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So. Okay, so say you're opening up for a show and people are still coming in, still warming people up. What do you do to get people 
pumped up, hyped up, and getting get people going. Um, so like I like to play a lot of like uh, world sound kind of stuff mm-hmm. when I'm first playing. So like a lot of stuff with like Eastern style and instrumentals, stuff like that. So just kind of getting people to chill out for a second, take a deep breath, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Right. You don't want to so. burn people out at the beginning of the show. You don't. I definitely have gone too hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for so, the openers. Something with like a really trippy, like vocal sample. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's kind of like jazzy influenced or Eastern love sounds jazz, influenced. Jazz. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, if you had an unlimited budget to do anything in the community, what do you think you'd do? Any innovation? Any crazy thing? We always hear venue, always hear generic venue. I had a party skyscraper idea, but I thought that one was cool. But yeah, anything in the community. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool to do, like, I've always wanted to start, like, a coffee shop music venue. Oh, that'd be cool. Right, so it's like a coffee shop during the day, and then at night, serve, like, alcohol-infused coffee drinks. I could fuck with that. And, like, that. have it be a music I venue. I could fuck with that. Make donuts. You have any cool fucking name for it set up? I already feel like they're badass, like rave names for that. I would have to think of some names for yeah. that. I, one, I, one business idea I had was starting a food truck that's like all breakfast food. Mm-hmm. Call it Wake and Bacon. Oh, I like so. that. Yeah, no, I like that. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I want to I wanna start a fucking radio station, but I don't know when, when the hell I'm going to do that. <laughs> um, so, well, this is great practice for you, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to get better, better at talking, trying to think on the fly. Some days I'm great, some days I'm just like panic. Uh, so, um, we're running about on time. Do you have any um, upcoming shows or anything you want to tell us about? Anybody you want to plug? Anything like that? Uh, shameless plug to my homies Tribal Roots down in Wichita Absolutely. you guys have never been to one of their events probably oh, one of the coolest, nothing but good things I've probably one of the coolest crews in the things. region so go check that shit out it's dope um, I just played a lake party down there a couple Ooh, weeks party. ago damn There's we need like to go out to Wichita more place called Brightwater Bay apparently it's like an Airbnb what? so it's a private lake with a couple houses on it you can okay. run out okay so that was super dope um, I've got a show coming up in August I think on the 12th at Minibar Ooh, so, okay. homie Brent Nero is throwing that show, so that'll be a cool event. Okay. Well, I would like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for, and coming on. Uh, I know it's again like it's not very easy to figure out times and scheduling. For sure. Um, Kansas City, I'd like to thank you for listening. You guys stay sexy, stay safe, stay slutty. Everybody have a good weekend. Much love, y'all. Have a good night.